As I was out harvesting vegetables for our latest stew, I thought to myself, I love fall veg. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of January the 26th, 2012. It's a damp day in central Alabama. You and I are relaxing with a nice cup of hot tea. And we're going to talk some about brassicas today. Yes, because as I was mentioning in my opening statement, the heart of our fall veg that I like so much, actually, it comes down to brassicas. Well, that and the garlic and onions that I planted in the fall. Um, and when I say fall veg, don't let that be misleading. It's really misleading. sort of a misnomer, Yeah, isn't it? it's planted in the fall, actually planted at the end of the summer in some cases, but it thrives through the fall and you actually... Uh, reap the benefits into the wintertime. And into the spring. And into the spring, yes. Um, And we can talk about some of the ones that we hope to see continuing on to spring. But um, it is mostly brassicas, as you said, and we can talk about some specific examples in just a minute. So um, we know brassicas are really nutritious. They are, of course, great sources of fiber, um, but they also are very high in vitamin C and antioxidants. And I was just reading today in preparation for the podcast, actually, uh, that there's some evidence that brassicas reduce the risk of some kinds of cancer. Absolutely. I've heard that for a long time now about Brussels sprouts, that a steady diet of Brussels sprouts is, is a, um, will lower the risk of cancer. And we have those planted out there. So. We do. Yeah. And I would say uh, our approach, our philosophy is not a steady diet of anything. Well, that's true. We use a wide variety, and we eat what is lovely and in season when it is lovely and in season. Yeah. And sometimes we freeze it and enjoy it mm-hmm. in another month or so. But um, the main thing we do is we eat what's good when it's good. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and um, we also... And brassicas are good right now. <laughs> they are good. Well, that was part of what I was referring to earlier, that when we went out to um, get ready to cook the stew, we did use some um, vegetables that we had frozen from summer. Uh, For example, we had frozen some of our our green beans. We had frozen some of our black-eyed peas and our okra and our Anaheim peppers and our banana peppers and uh, tomatoes. And those all went into the stew. Actually, we didn't have room for the banana peppers. (laughs) That's right. We had to hold them and enjoy them later. We, We pulled those out of the freezers, and then we, of course... Um, called on our brassicas to round that out, and we had some really lovely cabbage. Lots and lots of cabbage. Yeah, and um, then the uh, yesterday for our vegetable that I cooked to go with our stew, um, we put some of the kohlrabi in there. Oh, and there's some broccoli. Excuse me? That you cooked? You cooked. I cut it up, though. You, you, re- you Technically, did. You, you cooked it. but You I, did all of the hard work. I cut that stuff up <laughs> that we cooked. I should have said that. But that um, all you did was plant it, nurture it, weed it, harvest it, bring it in, clean it, chop it up. I was the one who put it in the stir fry. Oh, okay. 
Well, I think we make a good, a good team. And I, I enjoy all those other stuff, so it's good. But I did leave out broccoli. And the broccoli, it's really funny about that. We're not getting any more of the big um, flowerettes as I was earlier in the season. But if you look at the plants, you and I do as I walk by, I'm able to pick out a number of small flowerettes that I bring in and Again, throw into whatever we're cooking, lovely and in season, and, and I don't you've mind. You've done such a great job keeping them well picked that I was not able to find any florets to photograph today. Oh no! Uh, well, but that's okay. What we have are great pictures of the well picked broccoli that you know are waiting for future florets to form, which is fine. Yeah, yeah, and and we we will get more. Well, talk a little bit about when we plant. The brassicas, because you, you mentioned that mm-hmm. we plant them sometimes um, at the end of the summer. Oh, yeah, even. August usually. Um, one year, I think it was last year, I was unable to find the plants as early as I wanted to. It was more into September, but this year, by the end of August, I was finding some of the plants. And uh, believe it or not, Walmart had some. Yeah, and we're not trying to start brassicas from seed much. We tend to plant the plants themselves, transplants. Right. And and I may next year go out on a limb and try it, but I've not had really good success with starting fall veg um, unless we wanted to go to the, um, the strategies that we do when we do our spring veg and use the grow light and the, you know, the warming pad and all of that. But um, the heat mat is the word I'm looking for. But, um, we're usually trying to start the fall veg using the natural sunshine and heat that we have at the end of the summer. And last year was sort of a bust on that. So this past year, this past season, we just luckily, because I could find all those transplants in the store, I just bought them and planted them and they yeah. did great. So yeah, and they really did well. So uh, but you, yeah. you, I, I agree with you. At some point, we probably want to move in the direction of being able to to save and start seed of these. Mm-hmm. But gosh, they're doing so well. Uh, when you do plant them in August here in central Alabama, uh, there's still plenty of insect pressure. Yes. So we've uh, a couple of years we've had the need to deploy some kind of insect barrier. In our case, we use a very thin fabric, Agribon, it's called. Agribon AG15. It's um, thin enough so that it lets plenty of sunshine in, but uh, it also stops the grasshoppers and that sort of thing. The little the bugs that are up to no good come that's, that time of year. Yeah, that's right. And we talked last year in our podcast about how that actually enabled us to even have a fall garden last year because we had such a problem. It was very dry. We had such a problem with the Carolina grasshoppers eating everything that we I actually had to replace oh, probably the equivalent of a flat full of um, of veg just because, and, yeah, and then put the Agrabon over it the second right. time. Those Carolina grasshoppers are, uh, they thrive on dry weather. Um, when we were discussing that with a couple of the extension agents they said what you really need is rain because there's some kind of fungus maybe that attacks them and it needs rain so as soon as we got some rain there's no problem with the grasshoppers but until we got rain we really needed help that I, i said a couple of years it's really one year 
that we uh, were able and needed to use the insect barrier. And this year we didn't do, or this, I'm saying this year, but I mean this past fall, which was fall of 2011, we really um, had, a, I had a few times that I was concerned and I saw grasshopper damage, but it wasn't so extensive that I couldn't just replace a plant here and there. And, and, yeah. um, and I'm not even sure some of that damage was grasshopper related anyway. Um, and, and so listen, let's just hold off. Let's see how it does without it because the one hassle you do have by putting the agribana onto it is that when the plants grow t so tall that, um, or, or maybe one set of plants grows tall that's in the row, um, if you, then yeah, you got grow to, up against the, they the grow up against it, the yeah. fabric. And, and so you might as well, and, and it makes it a little harder to deal with or even to tell what's going on under there. So I think we our, our decision was a good one this year, which is we didn't really need it. We left it off. Uh, oh, I know the other thing it enabled me to do was continue mulching because I got everything in the ground in a timely manner, but it took me a while to go back and mulch everything. And, I finally did. And without the fabric in place, you were able to I get I was able to, to do that, mulch. yeah. So I think it was a good decision this year, but it's, it's good to tell people that that is an option for starting your fall veg because those are all plants. Those brassicas do not need insect pollination. So that's how you can get by with using Correct. the, the yeah, you don't. They don't flower, so you don't have an issue with, oh, you got to let the bees in or you got to let the pollinators yeah. in. Yeah. That, um, you know, the first year we planted brassicas, we were very nervous about cold temperatures. Mm -hmm. And um, I've told the story before about how we were, uh, we had ordered um, freeze protection. It was a frost blanket mm -hmm. that we were planning to use on them. And we, we were trying to save a few dollars, so we said, okay, we'll wait. We'll, we'll pay less for it if you, and they said, we'll charge you less if we can wait and ship it to you the 1st of January. Which we figured, hey, in Alabama, that's soon enough. That's right. By the 1st of January, um, you know, it, it, we won't have any problems with cold temperatures before the 1st of January. Well, that winter, it was last winter, not this most recent mm -hmm. winter, um, the worst cold temperatures just about were in December. Yeah. And so we ended up going through temperatures of 18, 19 degrees, maybe even 17, out on Veg Hill with no frost protection, no freeze protection mm -hmm. at all. And we were just thrilled to see that uh, everything but the broccoli muscled right through that. Everything survived, and the broccoli lived to to produce another day. I mean, bounced it came, back it bounced spring. back. It gave us some more broccoli. So, um, yeah, I think we've, we've discovered that in all but the most severe winter here, we really don't need frost protection. On and I realize edge. those of you who are in the north listening to this, you're thinking, what a pansy winter. that They talk about 17 degrees is cold. But here in central Alabama, 17 is a cold night. We rarely see temperatures much lower than that. Unless you think, if you don't know anything about us, unless you think that we are pansies. We lived for four winters in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. We have lived in the Midwest. <laughs> and so we know what cold weather's like. We know what the, the, the winds are like. So and there. We know what sub-zero temperature's like. Um, and we also realize that there are some things that we could not grow there that we're able to grow here. Um, however, the flip side's also true that there's some things that you guys can grow up 
north that we can't grow here. So, uh, like apples, really. My or, kingdom for some chilling hours yeah. for our fruit trees. Uh, by the way, this we can is grow neither apples, here but, nor there, but uh, we've got a real problem this year with chilling hours in Alabama. Yeah, Just we've not had nearly a, enough chilling hours. A mild winter. It's been a mild winter, and yeah, uh, it's not going to be a big problem for us because we don't have that much that's ready to bear yet. But our brothers and sisters who are trying to grow apples and um, pears and cherries, uh, they're just not going to see any crop this year. Yeah, and when I said apples are a problem, I didn't mean to indicate we can't grow any apples. We can, but the varieties are limited. And if we want to make, say, hard cider, I can't just say, oh, well, the best cider apple is X, you know, because... We right. we have a limited variety that will even grow or produce down here, and right. so that's what and, we choose. And it's from. all about low chilling hours here. So yeah. All right. Well, I know that uh, we had hoped to run through the list of the brassicas. Yeah, and, let's uh, do. Talk a little bit about how we grow it, how we prepare it when we get ready to eat it, and how we like eating them. So yeah. uh, let's start with broccoli. Well, the broccoli. I think we've talked a little bit about how it grows and when it tends to produce, um, which is early before the the chilling, the, the, the killing type of frost, then it'll come back and again in the spring and give you some more broccoli. Yeah, broccoli um, tends to be the first out of the box and the first to give up the ghost. Yeah, yeah, and, and, de and definitely will bolt like crazy when it gets hot. It wants to flower and, you know, you have to just stay on top of it and clip those, clip those flowerets early in, in the when you first see them, because if it starts to get warm, man, one day and they're out there with little yellow flowers and then they're not any good. And we love the way broccoli tastes. We enjoy eating it. Um, let's move to cabbage and I'll let you decide how much you want to divide this up. Well, I think we can talk about all the cabbage in terms of the preparation, which is I'm not a big, I do like coleslaw once in a while, but I'm not a big coleslaw maker. I mean, if I'm going to go on a picnic and somebody needs me to bring some coleslaw, great. But typically, I we cut it up and stir fry it with some onion. Yeah, mix just it with a other word veg. generally about putting brassicas in the sun oven. I shy away from putting brassicas in the sun oven, even though we can cook in the sun oven well this time of year. It's easy to overcook it, isn't it? It is easy to overcook brassicas. And when you have overcooked cabbage, Brussels sprouts, collards, kale, Mm -hmm. um, any any of the brassicas, when you've overcooked it, you immediately know it. it there's a taste yeah. that's just not pleasant. Not quite as good. Uh, but so we've talked, that's how we cook it. Now back to what all three types of cabbage that I planted this year, which are the common cabbage, just, you know, just a regular head of cabbage, uh, savoy cabbage, and the red cabbage. Uh, as far as the growth, what I've noticed and, and I planted all of these last year as well. The red cabbage is much slower than the, uh, the two green varieties to form heads. And as a matter of fact, right now, as we speak, January Nothing. 26th, they're be beginning to show a little of a head look to the red, but I'm, I'm despairing if it starts to warm up too soon. Exactly. We may not, we get, may any. not get any usable crop from that red cabbage. I would say the red cabbage is the least, it, it's beautiful. It's just gorgeous yeah. when it grows, yeah. but um, it, it's the least productive in terms of right. food we can use. And and this year, the big winner is the Savoy cabbage. I will plant more of that, that next Savoy year. Savoy cabbage has been wonderful. It's been wonderful. It's it's held up better in terms of um, resistance to mold. I guess it's some sort of, it's a little black spots it gets on there. Um, 
and it has actually was one of the first to mature as well. So I'll definitely, probably just because it does so well, I'll air in favor of lots of Savoy and do just a little bit of regular cabbage and maybe very little red. Um, but again, the jury's out on the red. I'm willing to give it a Give it the that's benefit right. of the doubt and Come see. Come late February, it may be our superstar. Yeah, collards, that's another veg we have out there. And um, I'm going to say, put that in the same category with kale, which we've also planted. Um, both of them produce nice leafy greens that we, um, they, they grow in terms of, I guess, we, we mentioned earlier in a podcast that it's, they're better if they're frost-kissed. That's especially true of the collards. They're sweeter if you wait and harvest them. Yes, there are some leaves on them when before there's a first frost, but if you'll wait and harvest after the first frost, they taste better. They taste a lot better, but honestly, we can grow collards almost 12 months out oh, yeah. of the year we can and have enjoy them. All, all, all year. So collards, I guess, are sort of the um, <laughs> bread and butter uh, brassicas in terms of, you know, they just keep producing and producing and yeah. producing. As long as you keep picking them, they'll keep pr putting it out. So um, I love collards. Uh, we prefer the taste of collards to kale. Kale looks gorgeous. I've got a great photo of the kale growing out there, and it's beautiful to look at. But it's not quite as sweet, I yeah, guess. Yeah, but, but usually we when we prepare them, um, we mix them together. And I'll, I'll usually, when I go out and harvest, I'll pick some collards and some kale then I bring them in and I cut the stiff the at least the lower part of the really stiff stem out because that does not that's not good in in your in your food and then um, just chop them up fairly fine not in huge because when they cook down you don't want a big old yeah. collard leaf and again in there. we tend to stir fry the, the right. collards and the kale in with some onion and that uh, makes it kohlrabi good. was a new adventure for us this year yeah it uh, tastes good to we me. don't care for the greens the greens no. are not particularly appealing to us but the uh, root itself uh, and it forms above the ground you can mm -hmm. actually see it when you walk out there a big ball, I would say, a little smaller than a tennis ball. Would yes, you say? and it's better if you harvest it before it gets too big, um, because it gets some, I don't know, scaly kind of a quality to it. Yeah, that, it becomes more fibrous. Yeah, fibrous, and, a, a fibrous part that you can't and, eat. And pithy. that ball is sweet. It has a delightful sweet taste mm -hmm. uh, that we really enjoy. It's almost a delicacy. But you have to peel the outside out, and I found that it works best if you just take it of course you've clipped the greens off by that time you take the little um round part that you're going to eat stick it in the microwave for maybe a minute or two maybe a minute's enough and just and then let it cool off peel that tough outer part out off and the inside is is nice and delicate true confession about kohlrabi it's a lot of trouble for a little bit for of for a small amount of food but if you like the taste it's yeah. great. So uh, let's move on to Brussels sprouts. That Cutest vegetable going. I love Brussels uh, we sprouts. We love Brussels sprouts. They're so fun to look at. They are also a lot of trouble for a little bit of food. At least ours have been. Uh, but we we just love growing Brussels sprouts. Um, and you're tired of hearing me say this, but they're just as cute as they can be with those sprouts growing in the crook of the leaves, sheltered as they are underneath the the leaf canopy. And, and you know, when you say a lot of trouble for a little bit of food, right now, if we were to go out and try to harvest the very small sprouts on there, yes, it would be a little bit of food. That's a good but point. But I remember yeah. the end of the season, the end of the production season last year, which would, was March. When they poured it on. They poured it on. And, You're right. of course, then when I'm, it 
I That's, stand corrected. Yeah, and we had a lot They're of They're a late sprouts. season producer rather than an early season, and that makes me um, pessimistic about them now. But you're absolutely right. We anticipate having a good production from our Brussels sprouts. And when it starts to get too hot, that's another one that you can just forget it. It's going. They're going to get – if it gets – that's why I'm saying past March here in Alabama, uh, they'll start to open up. You know, you won't have the little sprout. Uh, well, you're right. Anymore, so. um, but we're going to talk for a moment about what we're going to try that may give us an extra couple yeah, of weeks we'll on try. veg like that. And let, before we, we move the on, the best to for last. The best for last. We were so pleasantly surprised at how good our cauliflower was this year. Shied away from cauliflower for a couple of years because we read how difficult it is to grow. It has not been our experience that cauliflower has been challenging. Mm -mm. It just doesn't. We don't have big heads that, you know, are six inches in diameter. We probably have cauliflower heads that are more like three and a half inches in diameter. Yeah, usually you don't want it to get any larger than your fist or it's going to start to, and, and I, I can tell now when I look at it whether or not it's ready to harvest, not just by the size, but what it starts to do if it starts to kind of spread but out. Boy, when you get that cauliflower and you pick it out of the garden and you bring it in, you almost have to fight to hold on to it long enough to cook it. Yeah, it's it really sweet. So good. And our so grand good. our grandson Smith, who's three, is our taste tester. He was here when we harvested some back in the fall and he likes to eat it raw. It didn't even make it to the cooking pan with him around. So it's 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 a hard success. for it to make it to the cooking pan with you and me around as well. We we really enjoy cauliflower raw as well as cooked. But it is a little tastier cooked. Yeah, just a Slight. A little softer, I guess. You don't want to overcook it, for sure. Uh, but let's talk about our hope about the shade cloth. Last uh, spring, we watched the broccoli and the Brussels sprouts and um, I guess the, uh, anything else bolt on us? Well, mostly those two. The broccoli gets so it's pretty yeah. inedible. Uh, we have purchased... Uh, 50% shade cloth. This is the first time we've had any experience with shade cloth, but we have uh, shade cloth and those little grommets that you use. We opted not to have a set size of it. We just brought, bought a 100-foot roll of it, and we're going to roll off what we need from time to time, put some grommets in it, and string it up over where we're thinking over the fall veg as they near the end of their season over the tomatoes as they the get summer, to the heart right. of the summertime, and we need to protect them from that hot sun. Um, maybe even over the peppers, you know, if we decide that it would that the nightshades in general don't like that hot, hot sun that you get in the right. summertime. But I would so say the emphasis will be tomatoes. The emphasis will be tomatoes. Yeah. But that's that's a new adventure for us that we are anticipating for the first time this spring. Um, then one last thought. Talk a little bit about the need to move around with this fall veg. Yes, like, like most other vegetables, uh, you do need to rotate because whatever pests or fungi that typically will attack a, a family of plants... Uh, you, it, it could live in that soil or thrive over the winter. And that's so particularly true of brassicas. You don't want to follow brassicas after brassicas uh, for at least two years. You know, if you've grown brassicas like we've grown brassicas on row 10 now, 
we don't want to grow brassicas on no. row 10 for another couple of they years. They will find a home elsewhere next that's fall. That's right. We'll probably be growing brassicas somewhere over on the east side next mm-hmm. year because that's row 10 is over on the west end of Veg Hill. Well, we've overstayed our welcome. Thank you for your patience if you've made it through to the end here. We know we've run long, but we wanted to get through that list of the various brassicas and how we use them and so forth. So uh, we apologize, but hey, you're tough. You can handle it. Have a great week. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.